I want to give a quick warning that this episode includes depiction of domestic abuse. I, I just want to say, though, to people that it doesn't matter who's not with you. If you feel so strong and compelled to pursue something in your life, do it because you're the one you have to live with. And now, of course, my family, we, we've made amends. You know, we've had our sit down, talk about what happened then. And things are, are, are much better. But had I folded and succumbed to how they made me feel, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be as free as I am today. And I really do feel free. So it was worth it. Hello there, I'm Yonka Kamara. Welcome to Kume Turning Point Diaries, where we share stories of critical moments in our personal and professional lives. In this episode, we talk to Tylee Sewell, a native New Yorker who now resides in Northern California. Tylee shares her journey from her life as a commercial graphic designer to her current artistic medium as a landscape designer and horticulturist. In between, she tells a scary story of how at almost the point of death, she abandoned the pursuit of the American dream to discover her love of the outdoors and growing things, which her grandmother had exposed her to early in life. Hi, Auntie Tracy. Hello, Yanka. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you in California? I'm doing well. Nice and sunny yeah. and dry. You holding up okay? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's a beautiful state. So, um, you know, you get to drive around and you can see so much beauty. So it's it's really not as bad as some some places where you're kind of confined to the city yeah. dwelling. So, yeah. how long have you been in Cali now? It's been I don't even know when you moved there exactly. 2016, May of 2016. Okay. So about four, a little over four years. Four years. Yeah. Wow, look at you. <laughs> I know. I was a native New Yorker. I know. I can't imagine. I can't. Uh, I mean, you know that I went to college out there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's different. I feel like you were in, like, in New York forever and then to like mm -hmm. move. But we'll get we'll, south. And then <laughs> south. You moved south. Well, you were still on the East Coast. That's what yeah. I meant. On the East yeah. Coast. Um, okay. So, what are we going to talk about today? Ooh. <laughs> uh, you know, just what are you being called to say today? Because I know you got a lot. You got a lot of stories. My story is <laughs> in very many parts. Many parts. <laughs> so I know you as Tracy, um, and you go by Tylee. Can do you want to yeah. say a little bit about that name? Sure. Um, well, Tylee was uh a a nickname that was given to me in high school. I went to an arts high school, uh, high school music and arts and performing arts. And uh, there, you know, in art class, you know, they told us we have to have a tag name, we have to have an artsy name. This is in our first, one of our first drawing classes. So everybody was like trying to figure out what name we can give ourselves and what suited us. So um, basically my name is, my middle name is Lee. Okay. My first name starts with a T. It ends with a Y. <laughs> so they're just like, oh, we just call you Ty Lee. Okay. So I'm like, all right. You know, I started signing all my art, Ty Lee, Ty Lee. 
And so I just kind of stuck from high school and I always introduced myself as Tylee because I wanted to be an artist. Yeah. And my artist's name is Tylee. So I just kind of kept it and but then I let it go. And you know, my my friends and family in New York called me Tracy. And then when I reinvented myself, um, <laughs> when I moved to uh, 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 Georgia, actually, um, I had you know an opportunity to to be to claim my art my artful name, my creative self back, and I started calling myself Tylee again. Well, I guess maybe that's what we're, we're going to talk about today: your journey of reclaiming your artful self, right? Because I've known you as an artist, because um, you and my mom met in high school at the Performing <laughs> Arts High School. And um, so I've always known you in like an artistic context, um, but I've also known you as somebody who's always like evolved, right, in different, in how you, um, you use your art, right? So let's, let's talk about that. So what has your art journey in reinventing yourself? Oh, man. Well, that, I think for me, and I, I, I want to start with um, something I didn't know about myself, but as I was, um, as I'm now in the place that I am here, I've always had a affinity with plants and plants have always been a healing place for me. So um, I guess when, when I realized that, because I grew up around plants in the house and my grandmother had a garden in the backyard um, that I was never allowed to touch or be a part of just to watch because in Caribbean style homes, you know, children are seen not heard. And I always had this, this, there was this mystery around, around plants. And there was this thing where I felt like plants were healing and soothing for me. And so for me, um, I guess my, my journey, um, when I realized that I wanted to grow things, um, kind of spawned out of, I didn't want to have children reared in New York mm. because that's no place to grow children or plants, <laughs> in my opinion, <laughs> at that time. And I, and I had already had a, t a taste of, of growing food and what, what the Garden of Eden might look like. When I was a child, my, my father came and got me at age eight and started driving to, to Georgia from New York in the summer. So we had a summer vacation time with my dad. My mom and dad were divorced. And when I got to Atlanta is when I realized, oh my God, there's a whole like world out here that involves these green things called plants and trees and they grow well together and you can eat from them and live with them. So I had in my head, I want to leave New York when I'm of age so I can have a garden mm -hmm. and grow my family. So um, I guess I think that's, that's where I had this idea of always traveling and trying to find, find my place of Eden. And in my creativity, I, I think I, I always found creativity anywhere I went, but I was always told how creative I was by people and what I should do with that creativity. Like people saw for me what they thought I should do with my creative, creative talents, and I didn't see it for myself. And so, um, I, well, I tried to, to do things that were, were interesting to me, like I did start to do herbal studies and learn about um, uh, you know, tie-dyeing, and so I taught myself how to sew, but people were like, oh, that's good crafty, that's okay, you know, but you really should do this because you went to Pratt, and you should do graphic design, and or you should do fine arts, and, and then I always felt like, well, what I, I want to do, which is just explore media in that, in the way I wanted to, 
you know, I always thought that I should pursue that, but people will look down on it. Mm. And people will tell me how I can make more money doing this type of art. And so that's where I went to. I started doing that. The, whatever people were telling me that I can make money, plus I was in New York and had to make money, but I was never happy doing graphic design. You know, I was never happy doing the work that I was doing. And I, but I always enjoyed teaching because that was one thing I did. Um, I studied, I double majored. I did um, art education at Pratt. And that was always something I enjoyed, the, the mystery of creating things and having people learn that they're creative, creative too. Yeah. But I was dis discouraged to do that because you don't make money teaching. So again, there's always the things that I wanted to do were, were shat on. Uh, in my my opinion, and I wasn't strong enough to say no. I want to do this and pursue it. So, I guess um, traveling and leaving New York gave me that ability to to own my own um, path. Yeah. And now, what are you doing in California? Because I know you're finally able to be outdoors and playing with soil and planting and growing things. Can you tell us more yeah. about what you're currently doing? Oh, uh, sure. Um, well, that's the whole story in itself. <laughs> I start on it that that's really, it's kind of weird, but, um, well, okay, well, what I, led you to that? Okay. Yeah, Cause I have to, cause yeah, what, how I ended up doing what I'm doing now is not what I came to California for, right. believe it or not. So I, um, when I went through my, my divorce, uh, in 2012, I, um, ended up in, in Georgia, ended up in my father's house, ended up, um pretty much uh lost my career lost everything everything i came to the marriage with everything and i read this book called um uh when everything changes change everything and i think it's by neil walsh i believe and that book helped me to see that you know although i lost so much that change is inevitable anyway so, so keep going and and so i was like well, well how can i change myself into the person who I, I really want to be and what is that thing that makes me happy and I, I was uh, typing I had to type the word horticulture because it came to mind I didn't even know how to say it at the time but it was a word that I knew involved plants and I said well because I was looking outside my studio in the backyard I had built a little studio because I thought I was going to be an artist when I got to, to Atlanta so I'll go back to art but I said no I want to be outside and so I said okay horticulture type that in and what popped up was these schools. And so the schools of horticulture in Georgia, you know, um, were, were like, there was maybe two or three that, that had that. And I said, well, that's what I want to do. I want to learn about plants. I want to learn and study because I, I don't know why I love plants. I don't know why it's this thing that I feel like I can heal by this. So I, that's what I pursued. I went back to school. And I, that was in itself was a big hoop a big no-no in my family like why are you uh, in your age i think i was what 40 it was in my 40s yeah early 40s and they're like you're gonna go back to school for what you already have a career in teaching 13 years in why don't you just go back to teaching art and i'm just like no because now i get to grow up and tell myself what i want to do and i don't and i know it sounds weird but i want to go back to school and study horticulture i think there's, there's something in it for me and so i went back to school study horticulture but got really need more than knee deep really over my head in it mm. um to my delight and um learned everything i could about 
floral design, floral management, greenhouse management, urban ag, sustainability, you know, um, permaculture practices, you know, herbaceous plants and, and, and woody ID. Just like, I just ate it all up and decided, well, I'm an artist. I can create spaces. I can design spaces for people. And I, I had this thing about food security and eating better. Um, and how can I combine healthy eating with, you know, landscape design? So it's like I went into edible designs, not not the weed, and, and, uh, <laughs> although that's really thriving right now. But um, more about uh, how do you put things together that you can live around, grow grow food, and it look beautiful, and you could be a part of your environment. So I went. So I studied landscape design, and then I started to design spaces, and that's what um, alerted someone to my talents in on the West Coast. That you know. She's doing something at this farm because I started um, an urban ag uh, farm in uh, about three acres uh, wide and on campus and took it from the weed to a thriving CSA market and um, also a thriving um, market, uh, not sorry, a thriving CSA program and a farmer's market every week. And so I ended up getting asked to come and work in California yeah. to do landscape work. And um, it took the opportunity. So I ended up here, but that's not where I, it ended because um, in doing that work, I got involved, you know, the universe will send you a lot of things that you, you, you ask for, but in different ways. Yeah. And the way that I thought was, is gonna be, you know, this clear cut, this person's gonna show me how to be this edible landscape designer and they're gonna take me through all the tricks of the trade and they're gonna hook me up with all the people in the industry I need to know. And it was just the opposite. They showed me exactly what not to do in the industry. They showed me by their practices that, that they weren't, didn't have integrity and that, you know, the shortcuts and all kinds. And I, and I was just very like upset about being uh, sort of interning with someone who didn't have this integrity that I had or that I wanted to learn, you know, not no shortcut. I want to learn, I want to know how to do this stuff the right way. And so I went to and in, in that disillusionment, I actually left my employment with this particular company because it, it so was against what I came to California for. And I found myself again, having to change, having to find a way of saying, float in a state where I was didn't have I didn't have any family no friends any of that no connections and I did a GoFundMe oh wow <laughs> I I um I ended up uh unemployed so and I had just got my uh rented a house just had my husband come join me from where uh, he was staying on the east coast because I had a had a good job before I realized it was not a good job, but by yeah. that time, all the wheels in motion all <laughs> over move, my, yeah. my, my husband. And I, I didn't, didn't know how to tell him that I had lost my job, but he came off the plane. I was like, hey, <laughs> he ain't got no jobs. <laughs> and um, we got to make it work. And, and so he had just quit his job to be with me. Mm -hmm. So here we are, both unemployed in the house with no rent for the next month. And so what do you do? You do a GoFundMe. Um, but it wasn't for the rent. It was for a program that I could learn to do a landscape design work because I was doing stuff, stuff by hand. Okay. 
landscape design by hand is not efficient. And so I had to do a crash course in learning how to use a computer-based program, how to design spaces, and I did. And so long story short, I decided um, during the time I was unemployed to take a small little part-time job in the nursery um, and also to help my friend, he, helped, he asked me to volunteer, um, this is my husband's best friend, asked me to go, go volunteer my time to this, this um, what is it, a community garden, and they needed someone, they needed help planting the, the, the fall crops, and since that's your background, just, you know, yeah. me and my kids are going out there, just come with us, and that's when I met this young lady named Amy, and Amy and I had a great conversation while planting collard greens and whatever we were planting <laughs> with chard and stuff. And she was like, oh, you're into gardening. Oh, you're, you're a landscape designer. Oh, well, guess what? You know, I would love for you to come and guest speak at this group that I run and tell them about what you do here in California with the garden. And I said, okay, I'm not doing anything. I'm kind of unemployed and I liked volunteering. And then she sends me this packet that was like, 12, 15 pages of paper to fill out. And I'm like, well, what kind of group is this? And I'm looking at it and it's, she's like, oh yeah, I work at the, the state prison and you're gonna come into the state prison and talk to my group about gardening because my company's called Insight Garden Program and we do gardens in prisons and we'd like to hear how you, how a garden affects you. And so that was the first time I realized that, okay, I did ask for a job I want to work somewhere where it's a job that's not in a job description and I'm doing something to help people. And I wanted to be around food security and food safety and edibles. So I'm like, maybe this is what I asked for. And so I did do the first time I came in and, and I um, sat with the group and got involved, facilitated a bit with Amy. She gave me some of the lessons to facilitate. And because I had a teaching background, it was very uh, comfortable for me to sit in a circle with these men and discuss gardening. They had not yet installed their garden at that facility. So it was just like this epiphany came over me, like, could this be why I came to California? You know, like I have all the credentials to, to, to be in this specific space, but it didn't look like what I thought I came to California for. Cause um, yeah, I, I didn't, but I was volunteering. So I kept volunteering, I kept coming in and uh, an opportunity opened up. She said, hey, you know, um, we're gonna eventually open up a women's facility. And I put your name in the hat. You, you seem to be, you know, you've been volunteering with us for a while. It seems like it might be a good fit. Um, you, you'll have to go through the interview process, you know? And, and I said, sure, I, why not, you know? and um, so the opportunity came up, my interview and all that, and you know, I was hired. And so I started working in the first women's facility in California for this group, this organization. This is their first one they opened in, in a women's facility. And it was amazing, you know. Um, and, and I was able to help the women to design and install a beautiful thriving garden in a prison which to me is radical in itself because who, who gets to put real estate in a prison, a state prison or any prison. Um, and this organization is so um, wonderful that they've done their homework. Their first prison was in St. Quentin almost 20 years ago. And so they've gone through all the heartaches. I mean, they couldn't install a garden for years. They kept telling them, no, 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 no. 
And once they got one garden installed in St. Quentin, this was like 17 years ago at that time, it was very easy for them to now install in other prisons. So I think I was the third prison that they were gonna install a garden. And so that was to me, like um, it radically shifted how I saw my talents being used. And it also helped me heal again from being unemployed um, and also feeling that I made a mistake. So this was just like an awesome uh, coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences, but it was just a wonderful way for me to trust, you know, for me to volunteer at a time where I could have been depressed and crawled under a rock um, to, to go out and meet someone that, you know, gave me an opportunity to be in the spaces that she, she was in. I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, so that's kind of, I don't know if I answered the question, but that's how it went and how I got here and what, what I'm still doing is now I'm in three. Well, after COVID will we'll be over, hopefully we'll be back in these facilities. But before COVID, I was in three state um, prisons. One is a female institution, uh, Fulton Women's, and one, the other is Mule Creek, which is uh, all men um, in Ione, California, and also a youth facility in Stockton. And wow. so working with the youth, again, was just a, a beautiful full circle for me because I love working with children and youth. And I got to, to use a different palette. Um, you know, being an art teacher, you can use any medium you want to help <laughs> children create whatever um, their talent might be, or they don't know what their talent is, but to help them to, to you know, investigate what, creative could be, what creativity can be for them. And so now I get to use plant material. Yeah. That's how I saw it, to, to inspire. And, and that was a beautiful experience for a group of, I say 17 year old to 25 year old. I had ranging roughly 12 to 15 every week. And there was nothing where they were, but this, again, weed, weeded out area. And I said to them, you're gonna create a beautiful thriving garden here one day. And they're like, oh no, we don't know how to do that. And to just go through the process with them and teach them and also help them to see that you can create something from nothing. Yeah. That was a beautiful thing for me. And, and their space was three acres. They had a three acre space and we cultivated that space together. So that was, um, I can't wait to get back in. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You shared with me another story about, you know, when you went to go live with your dad, right? After you divorced and, you know, you had created a studio and, you were doing work and you were you looked outside and you said that's where i want to be right because for so long you were just doing what people told you to do can you talk more about that and what you feel as if now you're finally doing what you want to do yeah so that was a, a moment again like when it's almost like i had to stop the madness of living that crazy life of you know, the American dream. So I have the job, I have the kid and the, the dog and the house and the cars. And when all that came to an end and all I had was myself sitting in a room, which was my studio. And you finally, all the chatter is, is gone from what society is telling you to do. And then you're, you're left with yourself to say, you know, what am I here for? What is my purpose? Like that quiet time, I was able to just, 
hear the word, like I said, horticulture come up. I remember hearing it and, and it was just like, but I, and I was looking out the window because I had a laptop in front of me and I'm in my studio thinking I can make art, but I'm looking out the window like I want to be out there. It's so pretty, it's sunny. Look at those green plants that need some tending to because the backyard was a mess. And I'm like, I can fix this. I could, I could make it more appealing. Like, why am I in here? I want to touch the soil. So I decided at that time, looking out the window, that to, to actually uh, appease myself and just do what, what the, the, the message was saying was, you need to do that, go pursue that, that feeling. And so typing horticulture and then, you know, finding that school that actually teaches that. And then actually I got up and went outside and then I did start tending some of the plants. And I said, you know, like, this is, this is something that is me. Like I, I feel so comfortable here. And of course I did, I tore up that backyard over that whole summer and made it beautiful. I made a beautiful space of it. But what was there? Like, so I did permaculture principles. I didn't like change anything too much. I just worked what was there and um, just gave it some attention. So I needed to give myself some attention so I can even go take that further. And so that's why going back to school was important to me. And then my father, I remember telling, I was so excited about finding the school. I'm going to interview. I'm going to go on Thursday and meet this professor and he's going to give me the tour and I'm going to tell my dad, you know, look, I, I know I'm not working, but this is what I want to do. I'm going to go back to school. Well, that didn't go so well. Uh, it wasn't received well at all. I mean, I, and I was really heartbroken because my father all my life was, seemed to be always like happy for me. But I, I learned that it was because I was doing well and I wasn't a burden. <laughs> and I, I think because I was doing well and I was able to be helpful to the family and not be, you know, asking for anything. Um, but now here I am deviating from where I was doing well and saying, I want to do something different. And him probably knowing that it's going to take time for her to do this is, you know, what she's going to do in between. Like I, I could just feel his hesitance to support me because he realized that it was going to be an infringement um, of a little more time. Um, and I, yeah, there was a family dynamic going on there that, you know, I'm, I'm staying with my father and his, his wife, not my mom. So there's this, so families, you know, like sometimes you don't always, half of your family's welcoming you, the other half may, may, may want you to leave a little sooner than you should because that's their space I'm interrupting, you know? And I, I understood, you know, here I am 42, talking about, I'm gonna go back to school, living, on, staying in my father's couch, basically, you know, couch surfing with my daughter. And he was like, no, go for the sure thing. Go back to school, get a job, teaching. You, you got the degrees for that, you've been doing it. And I'm like, no, that's not what I wanna do. You're not listening to me. And if I have to move out, fine. But I'm not going to do the thing that's easy for everyone else to tell me to do because it looks like the thing that's easy to do. That's not what I want. So I felt empowered to say no, stand up for myself finally and say, this is not going to work for me. What's going to work for me is this. And if you don't support it, I understand that. And, and he didn't. And it, for the two, like two and a half years it took me to finish that 
education of um, learning, you know, uh, getting my degrees. He, we didn't talk. He, me and him had a very estranged relationship. He forbade his wife to help me with childcare with my daughter. It was so traumatic. I was like, this is this the same father that I knew? Like, he was that angry that I did not go back and, and, and teach in the public school system as an art teacher, that he would forbid his wife to help me. And I, I was so mad at my father. And um, it was a lady who I didn't even know that was, it was my daughter's uh, playmate at school, had, a, had a, her mother said that, I heard that you might be looking for a place. Now, I don't know how Oni may have told that story to her friend and her mother said, she's like, I just heard that you need a, a place to stay. Um, you're going through a time. My mama has, um, she's a real estate, so she's not a real estate person, but she had real estate. She has different places she rents. And I would be willing to talk to her. And I think she has available apartment uh, with a, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, Three-story um, townhouse. And I'm like, well, I don't have any money to pay rent. And she's like, don't worry about it. We'll talk to you. We'll see what we can work out. And so she came back to me and said, okay, my mom is willing to let you stay in this place until you get a job. So you will, you're welcome to move in. It's empty, it's vacant. And that was how I was able to leave the situation with my father saying no, you know, and feeling really bad about the relationship. I mean, it's instantly like I got another place to go rent free until I can get work. Because once I started the school program, I had a job um, and I was able to start paying rent. but to have a stranger tell you, no, 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 just move in. And they know that I'm unemployed and they know that I'm not working. I don't know why this woman's heart was touched, but I stayed there for the remainder of the, 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 the program until I moved to California. Of course, you know, by then I had work and was able to, to you know, survive. But when one door closes, you know, definitely that door opened. And my father and I, um, you know, we, to put it this way, I was valedictorian of, of that um, program, of that school. It was called Gwinnett Tech. And I won a, a few honors, but one of them was, you know, to do the speech for the graduating class. And the only people who came to my graduation was my daughter and another mutual friend. And none of my family that was in Georgia came. It was still because I think everyone was so angry that, and I couldn't figure it out. Like I am at the peak of my, you know, uh, school like accomplishments, and still no one showed up for my graduation, and that said a lot to me. But I, I you know, I, I still didn't hold it so much against them. Um, at graduation time, it was later that it sunk in that I was like really mad that, you know, when I got more successful here in California, I was, then it started, I'm starting to say, you know, damn, had I, if I had gotten support, do you know how far I could have been? But I just left that alone. There was so much family dynamics that was going on at the time. Um, I, I just want to say though to people that it doesn't matter who's not with you. If you feel 
so strong and compelled to pursue something in your life, do it because you're the one you have to live with. And now, of course, my family, we, we've made amends. You know, we've had our sit down, talk about what happened then, and things are, are, are much better. But had I folded and succumbed to how they made me feel, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be as free as I am today. And I really do feel free. So it was worth it. The rebuke and all that, it was, it was so worth it. And, yeah. and even more so to say, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. it was best for you. Right? You have, to, you have to, the most important, the only person who can believe in you is you, right? So I'm glad you had that faith in yourself. At any point during, you know, the the marriage ending and you moving to Georgia to live with your dad and start all over, did you have any epiphany? I think it's two parts to that. The, the, the first part of the real is that snapping out of the dream was the, the, the abusive uh, encounter I had with my husband that last one where I was kidnapped basically by my husband in my house after an argument um, because he, I mean, literally his, his rage, and I really don't know what the argument was about to this day, but all in the same vein of just being unhappy, I guess. Um, I couldn't leave on my own that, that night. And I wanted to leave with my daughter because I didn't like how he was you know, treating me, talking to me, pushing me around. And I was, I could not leave. And I guess having someone prevent me from freedom, like that, that triggered something. He'd never done that before. Like that was weird. And then it was, it got to the point where I feared for my life. And I couldn't imagine dying that night and not fulfilling what I came to this planet and I, I started to pray, you know, God, if, you know, if you let me live this night, um, you know, I'm out of here. I get the message now. I need to leave because this is, this is not good for me. And I don't know where I'm going to go, but I need to leave here and I will leave and I will leave everything. And I, I remember making that prayer and I, and that's exactly what I had to do. I left everything. And, and like I said, that book, when everything changes, change everything. I realized that it didn't matter about what I came in the marriage with, all the furniture, all the clothes, you know, whatever, the possessions that I accumulated, I needed to leave with my life. So that was one part of my drastic, you know, understanding that I had to snap out of the days of living that lie and then the second phase of it was again like at the studio is really the only place that i realized that the the pivot the answer was horticulture you know because i thought i was going to be an artist because i had built a studio uh, i built a two-story studio with no money just basically i i, I pawned all of my jewelry um, I had a lot of gold and silver, and I and I found someone to build this. It was supposed to be a storage area for my art supplies, because that's the only thing I actually took 
when I left besides clothes and shoes and my daughter and my dog was my art supplies, which I had a lot of because I, you know, I was an art teacher and I had it in storage. I had stuff that I use in my classroom that I personally bought, but I also was doing my own artwork. And even that was not what I wanted to do because I was surrounded by art supplies, but I didn't have the motivation to do art. I had the motivation to be outside and in nature. So I think that was my other pivot is just being what, with what I thought that I wanted to do and realizing that didn't feel right either. And then looking beyond that and seeing it was always outdoors, it was always around nature, it was always the earth. And, and that's, I don't know how else to, to, to answer it, but I feel like the, those are the two epiphanies I had was snap out of the dream and lose everything to attain what I thought was gonna be creative bliss only to realize that there's something deeper than that. There was the, the, the urge to use the earth as my, as my palette in some way. What's a moment where all of this, everything you've experienced, a divorce, right? Your marriage coming to an end, to a violent end, right? Um, you going to, to Georgia, finally, you know, finding your purpose or living your purpose finally, even without your family support. And now moving to California and continuing to live your purpose, like along that journey, was there any moment kind of brought all of these experiences together? In honesty, looking back at the marriage, so, you know, I was married twice, but the second marriage was out of, um, I want to say dishonesty to myself. I had to say, I had to look at it and say, I had a part in this um, very toxic. And like you said, you know, how, why am I with this man? Like, yeah, I asked myself that too. And, but my answer was because I was a single parent. And I mean, th this is the story I told myself back then was like, you know, no one would want me. I'm a single parent. I'm living in, I was living in Augusta, Georgia. I had, you know, um, was teaching at the time, just beginning, you know, my teaching career, or maybe it was, yeah, about five years in. And I just like, you know, this is, this is, you know, I'll never have this family that I thought I would have. I'll never be, you know, whatever. Cause I failed at my first marriage and here comes this person. And I, it was the first person that came after I was um, living uh, as a single mom for a few years. And, and I, and the first person who was treating me nice and the first person who said all the right things, I wasn't attracted to him, but I was attracted to the things they teach you in America. He's got a good job. He's secure. He's, he, he, he can provide. And so I said, you know what, maybe I'm being shallow. Maybe I'm, you know, I should give this person a chance, but it really was under the guise of I'm fearful for being alone and having to raise my child in this, you know, with on a teacher's salary. And so I think I, I in, got involved in the relationship knowing that my heart wasn't really in it, but I'm going to try and make this work. And all these conflicts of um, trying to have the American dream 
trying to be successful, trying to look good in my family's eyes. Because remember, they're all disappointed that I, you know, you know, had a botched marriage and now I have a kid. And, you know, um, who's going to take care of her? You know, even though I was taking care of myself, but, you know, in my head, I'm not taking care of myself. I need someone to help take care of me and my kid. And so that relationship was on false pretenses from my own heart. And I reaped the, I guess, the the fruit of that, um, that labor there, which was, um, it, it dried up. It was never good. It was always a false, you know, and, and I'm sure on, on my husband's part, it was getting the trophy wife and having the complete family already because I'm gonna, he's close to retirement and he, he needed to have this look to have a certain job lined up. So it was like, the, maybe we both had our own, you know, very selfish needs. And, but what pivoted for me was the fact that I couldn't stomach um, being in so, it was boring, you know, living the life I was living as a Sergeant Major's wife, you know, um, in, a, in, a, in a very racist town. I was in Yorktown, Virginia, um, working in a school system that was, to me, also very racist. Um, and dealing with, you know, I had locks at that time, I had, had dreadlocks. And I had to hide my locks to get the job. And I kept it in a bun and the front of my hair looked straight enough. I guess they didn't really know what I had. And I wore my hair in a bun for years um, until I got kind of comfortable and they, I said, well, they, they really can't find me if I have locks, I, I'll, I'll let it down. So I was living almost not being my full self. And, I, I, and so I don't know, the universe just allowed this to, to manifest in uh, discomfort. It's almost like, almost like having a thorn in my side, knowing that I'm living a lie. And it took, this, it took the, the tragedy that happened in the marriage, the abuse, um, to ratchet up to a point where we couldn't stand to be with each other. And, and then when my daughter ended up uh, having a heart, a major heart, um, uh, ASD, um, she had a hole in her heart and we didn't know. And that after that surgery is when I realized I cannot be with this person because the way that they did, they, they, um, how they presented themselves through this whole tragedy of my daughter having open heart surgery, I realized that this is, this is not, this is not safe. This is not, um, secure and, and this is very toxic. So it was it was those things. And and I had a friend who I kept as a friend all my life, um, who was someone who I met in nine, 92. I I called on this person in my time of need when I had to literally leave town in three days for my safety because our marriage had gotten so toxic, it got so violent that he, it led to him being arrested. And I had 72 hours to leave the house if I wanted to be safe because he was coming, they were only gonna lock him up for three days. And I knew that the wrath of him being angry at what happened um, could have been very um, deadly. And so I went to a shelter with my daughter and 
I called this friend when I went to uh, this was the beginning of school year. I was going to start my school year, and I had to to pack, uh, to unpack to to get ready for the school year. But I was going to pack to to pack up my belongings to leave the state. And my coworkers didn't realize what was going on. I only shared it with two with one person there, and his wife told me about a, a shelter that I need to go to that night so that. Um, I can, you know, at least put my daughter there and then go back to the house and pack whatever I need to pack. And that's when I think for myself, I realized that uh, this has got to stop. My living this lie and telling myself these lies about how to be happy, I have to figure out what makes me happy. And certainly leaving the marriage was one way to be happy. But this friend, like I was saying, he, he's the one that put in my head, he's like, where could you go? to be safe at this moment. And I couldn't think of an answer. He said, your father in Atlanta. And that's what started the, 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 me to leave, um, packed up my stuff in a, he ordered a truck for me to put my stuff in. It was a 10 by 12 foot truck. All I could really fit was clothes and shoes and no, nothing I came to the marriage I could take um, except my car. And that's when I realized I had to start all over really. Like, like the universe is like, now I'm gonna make you start completely over. Since you didn't hear the soft little tap before, here's the big knock. And pursue yourself, you know? Listen to yourself and be true to yourself. And so that's why, you know, I ended up, you know, again, going to Atlanta and then having the epiphany in the studio and, and realizing that I'm still, I was still trying, well, I wasn't looking for the easy way out. My, my father was trying to reveal to me Oh, almost it was almost like a little like tantalizing. Go back to teaching art. Go back into what you were, and, and, I, and I was like, oh no. And that's when I realized opposition time. That's what got me into this right now, trying to live that life. All your stories, all the stories you have shared here today, um, have the theme of freedom. Would you agree? Freedom has always been my thing. I, I need to send you this um, op piece I, I wrote for my organization during this whole pandemic. Um, you know, I, I started a garden and it's my freedom garden because I'm not gonna let a pandemic stop me from being free. And I, I felt like I'm not staying in shelter. I'm not sheltering in place, screw the government, you know, screw it. I'm going to plant, cause I can't plant out in my backyard. I found a, a little com community plot across town, it's a 30 minute drive, but it's my freedom garden. I get to get out the house, drive there, not wear a mask, plant food for my family, me and, you know, and share with others. And freedom has always been my thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to be caged up. I want to, I don't, no one tells me what to do. You know, even though I may fall on my face, I, I have to pursue the freedom because otherwise, I'm not happy, you know, I, and, and I, you know, freedom never was free though. You know, like me getting this freedom is as if we all hear this, this term in America, you know, freedom, freedom, but the freedom that so-called freedom what we think we have came at a high price for people of color. So you're, you're never gonna have the freedom without the struggle. And so I have struggled to, to have what I'm having today. I still struggle, but, it's, it's worth the struggle because 
the struggle pays off for the freedom. And it's, it's like, it's, it's a yin and yang kind of thing. And it, but it's on my terms, you know, no one else is telling me. So we all have our own freedom slash challenge because whatever you, you think you want, it comes with a price. And if you're willing to pay that price, then you will have that freedom, but it's never, it, it's never either or it's, it's, it's both. And, um, yeah, I, I sign up for that kind of stuff. But what I don't sign up for is tyranny. <laughs> no one's going to stifle me to death, really. I mean, it, I probably would have fought to the death that night. But I had a child that I said, oh, God, she's, she needs to live. So let me, let me play, play nice until I can get out and get away. So that's where the freedom garden came in and, and and it has other metaphors too but you know we can leave it there but it, that's that's why i i always stress with people when it comes to a garden a garden is so much more than just pretty flowers a garden is a, a it can be something it could be healing it could be anything you want it to be but for one thing it's it's a it's a place where you decide the needs that you have and you can fulfill them based on whatever plant you want to plant. You don't have to always have something to eat in the garden. It could be just visually beautiful for meditation. You know, there's so many types of gardens, but it's a powerful thing to cultivate a space on this earth and then tend to it because that's what we do with ourselves. You know, you see yourself as a garden, your inner garden and then the outer garden. So. Create a garden. Know, create, create a garden. So that's that's the message. Cultivate, right? Cultivate, cultivate, create your own garden. And it actually made me think of a quote because you know on the Instagram page, yeah. I tried to post um, just quotes that relate to stories, right? And all kinds of quotes. And one of the quotes that I posted today was, "Weeds are plants. Weeds are flowers. Weeds are flowers too." Um, no, what is it? Sorry, I'm like, I blanked, I blanked on it. Um, let me read it. Hold on. Weeds are flowers too once you get to know them. That's right. right? And it's oh, about, yes. yeah, the, the idea of cultivating ourselves, right? Like mm -hmm. we, our stories are beautiful, right? It's just a matter, even if they don't appear to be beautiful, they, they are, there's beauty hidden there, right? And so we have to, find a way to cultivate the beauty inside of us, right? And I think your journey definitely speaks to, to not just, you know, um, you know, metaphorically cultivating, you know, the earth, but also cultivating yourself, right? And that journey, so. Yeah, and I love the quotes on the weeds. The weed, <laughs> we, we teach, I teach anyway, I mean, it's in our curriculum, but it's also something I, always went by a, a weed is really just something that's not wanted in the garden mm. a weed could be a rose if you don't want a rose in your garden you pluck it out you know you yeah. put something else there but a weed is just simply something that's not wanted but weeds are very um important to gardens they indicate certain things if the soil is too too compacted certain weeds grow so you know oh, maybe my soil needs to be aerated I mean, and then so many weeds are helpful. Dandelions, you know, we could eat it for salad. I mean, those weeds are not bad. It just depends on what your need is. 
If your need is not for that weed, then it's a weed. And for that plant, it's a weed. <laughs> so uh, the uh, weeds are, they get a bad rap. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you can you can clear clear, clear that up, right? So people yeah. know weeds are not bad. <laughs> oh, so you got to get to know what it is. You find right? out most of these weeds are, have high nutrient density content mm -hmm. than most of these other vegetables you're growing to eat. You know, this the weeds. Some weeds will keep you alive if you know what they are and and can you know identify them. You'll be surprised how much how much uh, nutrients are in them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Angie Tracy. I'm so so grateful that you have agreed to come on the show and share your story. And I know for sure it's going to resonate with someone. Mm -hmm. You know, it, mm -hmm. it is. All of our stories always resonate with someone, and that's yeah. how we connect with one another. So, and so hopefully, good. it'll be it'll be the light that somebody needs to get themselves out of the situation or to finally start cultivating themselves, you know? So. I'm, I'm grateful you're doing this and I'm so happy to be a part of it. Thank you for considering me. Yes, and I encourage you to continue on, Yoka. I mean, I, I remember you from a little child <laughs> and it's so wonderful to see you get, bring your gift to the world and full circle, you know, and, I, and I'm here to, to assist in your development of your career. Yeah. And, Whatever you need, if I can provide it, you always call me. But I know that you'll do well. You have a great support system, which is yeah, very yeah. important, um, especially when you're starting something new. It's so great to have that support, especially your father's support, which, yeah, which yeah. is kind of contrary to my story, which is I, I, I so uh, appreciate your father and the position he is in with all his children to support them in any way he can yeah. in their development. And um, you're so blessed to have that. I think that's a beautiful ending. Thank you so much, Angie Tracy. Theme music by Exile Dynamics featuring Mark Fox.